Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the midweek show of The Overwhelmed Brain. This is a bonus episode that I throw in on occasion because there's a lot to cover on the subject of life and relationships in our life. And i got to keep up with all the emails I get. Uh, if this is your first time hearing the show, make sure that you tune into the main program every Sunday for a more in-depth look on behavior and becoming the best version of yourself. That's my goal, to work on ourselves until we become the best version of ourselves. And um, that's a lifelong goal. That's <laughs> something that I'm going to continue working on, and I hope to be able to help uh, be a part of your journey as well. And please take everything I talk about in this show as my personal opinion. Always consult a mental health professional for advice before making any serious changes in your life. So uh, before we begin, I just want to thank Neurohacker. I've talked about them for the last few weeks. I am on their supplement called Qualia Mind, and it has really helped me beat that brain fog and amplify my willpower and really uh, help me uh, focus and concentrate on things. And it's been especially helpful uh, making these extra episodes throughout these weeks, including episodes I've made for Love and Abuse, my other podcast, loveandabuse.com. And so I am just so grateful that they are sponsoring this episode and they're coming out with a new product that is in the mail to me that I cannot wait to try out. It is called Qualia Night for Optimized Sleep. I am so looking forward to that. I don't sleep heavy like a lot of people, so I can't wait to try that. But I'm going to tell you about Neurohacker and Qualia Mind a little bit later. So I'm going to tell you about this person that wrote to me a couple of years back. She said, that she was diagnosed with depression and generalized anxiety. It started as early as she can remember. It, she said it might have been in college, and she didn't see the pattern of depression for many years. But when she finally sought professional help, the psychiatrist showed her her records and noticed that she was in every May for the past seven years with symptoms of depression. And that's telling, isn't it? When you come in around the same time every year, that could tell you something. That could tell you that maybe something happened around this time at one time in your life that you can look back and go, wait, this is probably what is causing my depression or at least a part of it. And so she wrote this to me. It was a fairly detailed email I won't get into right now, but she did say at the end of the email that uh, she's so happy she made a change. So her career was in jeopardy or something was happening there and she made a change said the turning point for her was to change up what she had been doing follow professional advice seek wisdom from others and give herself permission to be happy and help others she says she started to feel the weight of depression this last may but realized that she had nothing to tie it to so she allowed it to go through her she said to flow through and out of me Reminding myself, it's just a physical response. And so I was very interested. I kept that email for a couple of years. 
And I wrote back to her and I said, I wanted to know how, how you're doing. How are things going? Are you still on a good road? Are you still on a good path? She said, you know, I'm doing so well at the moment. The depression I used to experience is a distant memory. I do believe it was tied to the circumstances. I do remember about eight months ago slipping toward that, but I reached out to a family member who spoke some wise words and redirected my thinking. I also landed a good job, and I love what I do. I also revisited my Christian faith through an amazing daily Bible podcast. Overall, I'm pretty healthy, so that's my update. I hope you are doing well. She says, uh, thanks for following up and keep up the life-changing work. You're truly an inspiration. So I'm reading this on the air. I didn't respond to her, but I'm going to tell her about this episode and thank her for writing this because it is a reminder that when we go through a depressive episode or we're in depression, that not all depression is the same, first of all. And I understand that. I'm not going to invalidate or minimize anyone's depression, but not all depression is the same. I had pretty moderate depression myself after my long-term relationship ended back in the 2005 area, somewhere around there. And um, I had it for a couple of years. And quite frankly, I didn't care about life. I didn't care about living. The things that used to make me happy didn't anymore. The things that used to make me sad didn't anymore. The things that used to give me passion made me feel apathetic. My view of depression is it's completely devoid of emotion. And if you don't have emotion, you don't have much of a human experience at all. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel bad. I mean, somebody might call it bad, but when I was in it, I just didn't care. I don't care about getting up. I don't care about work. I don't care about any purpose that I had in my life or that I was moving toward in my life. Didn't care about the journey, didn't care about the challenges, didn't care about anything really. And a lot of it for me was tied into childhood, growing up in a dysfunctional home, an alcoholic home. I had to learn coping mechanisms and survival skills to help me get through life. But when you're always living life by trying to survive it's not much of a life. It just doesn't feel rewarding. And after my long-term relationship was starting to fail, actually two years before my relationship ended, before she left, I was getting the onset of depression. And that for me came in the form of becoming more analytical and less emotionally responsive. So my girlfriend at the time would say something and I would just look at it analytically. I was the Vulcan on Star Trek. It was just something to be analyzed. And doing that more and more caused me to stray away from my emotional responses because I didn't want to feel those emotions. If you've heard this show before, you know that I define depression as the suppression of thought that leads to the repression of emotion that leads to depression. And this could happen almost simultaneously. I'm not saying that one has to happen in sequence with the other. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you want to say something and you don't. So you feel it, but you stuff it down. And then what do you end up with? All these repressed emotions inside your body that start to minimize your emotional responses. You'll end up with a lack of emotion. At least that's how it was for me. Like I said, depression is different for different people, but... 
I've seen this happen a lot. I mean, if it's not chemical, it's probably emotional. And this is why I mentioned her first email, this person who wrote, where she said, you know, every May, I felt depressed. So what happened in May, a long time ago, that caused you to feel depressed? I mean, that's one step toward figuring out what this is associated with, what it's related to. It could be that. It could be something that happened in May. It could be something else. It could be every May something else happens or just started in May for no reason. But there's usually a reason. And if there's not or you can't think of any, it's worth looking into. It's worth looking into if you are experiencing depression on a regular basis. So there are people that experience it daily, day and night, day and night. It's just every day. And it's a terrible feeling. I didn't like it, but I still wouldn't have called it me feeling upset or sad or angry or, I don't know, morose might be the closest emotion that I can come up with, but it was just devoid of any feeling. So for her, she was experiencing depression in her way, and her psychiatrist said, you know, you experience this every May. So I don't know if she ever put two and two together and figured out what happened around this time of the year many years ago to help her figure that out. But I think that's a great quest. I mean, she doesn't really have to do that now because she's feeling pretty good. She said it's a distant memory. So it may not be a quest that she needs needs to go on. In fact, I don't even recommend going on that quest unless you're still experiencing the problems. For example, when I was slowly getting out of my depression, every day I felt a little bit lighter but it was tiny increments, a very small percentage point that would go up toward a positive feeling, I mean. So every day I would feel just a little bit of sliver of positivity or happiness, but I was still depressed. But the next day, I felt a little bit more. I was still depressed, but I felt a little bit more. And then the next day and the next day, and eventually you get to the point where you're less depressed and you're feeling more. But it typically does involve an event of some sort. This is what I've noticed with depression with my clients, with myself. I've noticed that an event of some sort typically has to happen. And it could be a thought event in your mind. A thought could come to your mind and that could be the event that changes everything. Just like this person said, she had this depression starting to creep up. She could feel the symptoms were very similar or the same. And she asked herself, okay, what's this associated to? What is this related to? And she couldn't line it up. She couldn't connect it. So she just allowed it to flow through and out of her, reminding herself that it was just a physical response. It's an interesting perspective. Depression being a physical response. Let me try that on. (laughs) Let me try that on right now. Being depressed, being a physical response, I don't like that feeling. It certainly feels very gray inside of me. Like my depression used to be a black room. And I was in that black room. And there was no light. It was depressing. It was just a place that didn't invite any positivity whatsoever. It just didn't feel good. It was blah. So I sat in that room a lot, but at least I was able to connect with something. I think that's important to connect with something during depression. 
during any bad feelings or if you're just feeling blah for the day. Connect with it. Visualize what it's like. Maybe even personify it. Make depression something that you can talk to. Hey, what's going on? What's going on down there? What are you about? Why are you here? So if I were to ask my old depression, why are you here? Boy, when I ask that, I suddenly start feeling emotional. I mean, I'm trying it right now in real time. I'm feeling emotional about it. I'm having some sort of reaction to it. So something's there. That doesn't mean it's still there. That doesn't mean I still have depression. It just means there's some part of me that can connect with that question. Why are you there? Why were you there? Could be the question. Why were you there at that time of my life? And I might have answers like, well, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me. But yeah, you were in there before that, though. You know, I'm going to have this conversation with myself, or at least that part of me. You were there before my girlfriend broke up with me. So where did you come from? That's another question you can ask your personified depression. Where did you come from? Well, you know, I think about when I was younger. Again, I'm doing this in real time, so give me a moment. I'm thinking about when my mom, she was always so positive, yet we were so miserable. She was miserable. She hated my stepfather. So why am I depressed about that? Well, something's coming up with that. I'm thinking, you know, my mom really taught us through her actions to accept abusive behavior. And she taught us not to talk back. She taught us not to stand up for ourselves. She taught us not to be confrontational. She taught, at least me, to always be the neutralizer, to always try to keep balance in the chaos. So I became very good at that, yet I spent most of my life not facing challenges. I spent most of my life really hating challenges. I didn't like school. I didn't like confronting people. I didn't like telling people the truth. In fact, I don't know if I was me for most of my life. And so, you know, again, I'm trying this on in real time and I'm thinking about all this stuff that I learned in childhood from someone who had all the right intentions. She was honestly trying her best. I certainly don't blame her. I mean, because she was in a tough situation. But I did learn from her, and so did my siblings. My brothers and sisters learned how to respond to people and challenges because of her response to the dangerous person in the, in the room, in the house. And we took a lot of these survival skills with us and brought them into our adult relationships. But the problem with that is that we didn't have any resourceful skills to counter those survival skills. All we had were survival skills and we had to learn some countering skills or we had to learn to really emphasize the positives instead of focusing on the negatives. So if you are depressed, if you're depressed now or depressed in the past and you're trying to figure out how to get out of depression, I think it's important to ask that part of yourself, where did you come from? Why are you there? What is your function here? Because what you're going to hear is that part of yourself responding, maybe with pictures, maybe with sound, you know, someone's voice, maybe with um, inner dialogue, 
maybe with uh, the words that you haven't thought of in a long time or an image of somebody that you haven't thought about in a long time, that maybe when depression comes up for you or just that blah feeling, you can start to connect the dots and figure out what is the origin of this feeling. You know, I understand there are blah days. You could have one or two days that can come and you just feel tired or you don't want to do anything. I think that's normal. I think our body needs a reset or a break every now and then. The thing is, if it doesn't get the reset and you're in a constant down state and you just don't feel very good and you certainly can't find happiness or peace within yourself, then I think it's time to explore it. And when you explore it in the way of asking yourself questions like that, it can help. You know, I've been out of depression for probably a good 2000, let's see, 2000, uh, maybe 10, 12 years, no, 13 years. I've been out of depression for about 13 years. But it's interesting what happens, and she mentioned it in her email, is that it sure seems like it could come up if I let it. This is what's important to remember as well, is sometimes we have things that even though we healed from, that if our defenses are down, if we're exhausted, if we didn't get enough sleep, or if we are just overwhelmed, when our defenses are down, some of the stuff can sneak back up. And when it does, we just have to be a good personal guard for ourselves. We jump into that guard mode and go, wait, you are not coming back. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do this now. I have dealt with you. I have healed from you. And even if that's not true, even if you haven't healed from it, then it's still important to let whatever it is know who's in control. I'm in control here. You can't do this. Not now. It doesn't mean you deny it. I definitely don't want you to deny that it's there. I mean, if there's something to work on, this is what we're talking about. We want to allow it to come up. And it would be great if uh, this person who wrote gave us the exact steps. Like, okay, this is exactly how I let it flow through me. These are the specific steps that everyone can take. But I think that's going to be different for everyone. I think it's going to be different. For me, the impetus for me getting out of depression was having a breakdown. Finally admitting how much I hated my stepfather was finally crying so many tears that I've held on for so many years. And that's hard to do when you're depressed. <laughs> it really is. It's hard to get into that state of tears coming out of your eyes and actually feeling emotion when you've been depressed for a period of time. But there is something in there. When you're in that depressed or blah state, and I'm not comparing them, I'm just saying some people listening aren't depressed. Some people just feel blah, and it's not depression. So give yourself some leniency because it might just be the blahs, but it could be depression as well. That's why we're kind of covering both. But when you're in that depression or blah state, explore it. Allow it to come up. Visualize what it could be. Are there any sounds associated with this depression or at least where it came from? You know, when I think about my depression. The first person that comes up is my mom. And my mom was a positive force in my life. She is a wonderful person. She gave me my positive attitude. She gave me my humor. Well, my dad did too, but my mom gave me a lot of good things. So why would I think about my mom 
when it comes to depression. Why would she come up if she was so positive in my life? Why wouldn't my stepfather come up? You know, it's interesting. My stepfather was a huge challenge for me and my entire family. But when I think about my depression, I think about my mom. Why is that? Let me tell you about that in a minute. Like I said, Neurohacker sponsored this episode. So I want to take a minute or two to let you know about them. I am on the product called Qualia Mind. And Qualia Mind is a vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO product that contains nootropic compounds, vitamins, antioxidants, adaptogen extracts, and amino acids. And it has been helping me concentrate, focus, and get things done in my life, especially with procrastination. Like there are days that I've had a few months back that I just kept procrastinating like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. Uh, and being on the supplement has really helped me push through these things, but not in a way that felt forced. I just felt like I wanted to do them. <laughs> I wanted to get things done. So along with um, decreasing procrastination, it has allowed me to feel more energetic and even heighten my creativity. So I'm telling you about this because if you're looking for something to give you that edge or maybe you just are in a brain fog all the time, go to neurohacker.com. That's N-E-U-R-O and the word hacker. Neurohacker.com and check out their products. I use Qualia Mind. I'm going to be trying out Qualia Night because um, like I was saying earlier, I don't typically get a full night's sleep unless I take something. And I have given up sugar, most of it. I have given up caffeine completely. I try to stay healthy. I try to eat right. And I still don't get a full night's sleep. So I am looking forward to trying this out because it's all natural and they're fully transparent about their ingredients. You can check them out at neurohacker.com. They'll tell you exactly what's in all their products. Uh, and I've just been benefiting. So I'm sharing this with you and I'm grateful I can share something that has been benefiting me with you. And I hope it benefits you as well. So you know, go to their site, neurohacker.com, and you'll get 50% off the first month. Plus, listeners of this show can take another 15% off the top of the sale price with the code TOB, like the overwhelmed brain, TOB. Neurohacker.com. Use the promo code TOB when checking out, and you'll get those discounts. And um, check it out. If it benefits you, let me know. I'd like to hear back from you. So like I was saying, when I think about my depression, my mom comes up. I picture my mom in my head. You know, often what we think our depression or our blah state is, isn't often what it really is. I've heard from many abuse victims that don't necessarily blame the abuser, but they blame the person who didn't protect them. And blame is not really the right word, but when they think about where they are today, mentally and emotionally, and maybe who they're upset at, it's hard for them to admit that they're upset at either another victim of the abuse, like it could be one of their parents that abused them, and the other parent is a victim of that abuse as well. It could be that, or it could be someone who didn't step in and protect you, because that happens. And I think that might be in there too. I mean, I'm thinking about myself again. I think that might be in there, even though I have never considered that. I've never considered my mom to be the one to protect me because I knew she couldn't protect herself, let alone us kids. However, she was a buffer in a way that she calmed him down 
so they he wouldn't take it out on us. She had an interesting way of being diplomatic. She was able to calm him down, put him in a calmer state so that he wasn't abusive toward us. And when I think about that, I feel so grateful. I feel so grateful she had that magic touch. So there's the depression that's rolling around in there. It's somewhere deep down inside that doesn't really show its face, but I know it's in there. I can tell that if it really wanted to, if I really let my guard down and let it happen, it would happen. Haven't felt it in many, many years, but I know I could let it happen. So I have to be diligent. I have to be my own personal guard. And I literally say this, oh no. <laughs> I say, no way. You are never coming back in my life. I don't want you in my life. That doesn't mean I invalidate what's there. It just means I don't want that feeling. I don't want that feeling. It's not coming back because that part of me is still a part of me. I don't want to invalidate it. I don't want to make it feel any less equal than it is to me because it's a part of me. It's like an alter ego, but it's not. It's just a part of me. Just like everything you've experienced is a part of you. And so I, I believe it's coming to an acceptance of all the parts of you. Not that you're a multiple personality or dissociative disorder, whatever it is. It's not that. It's just that sometimes we think in certain perceptions. You might think one day that you're pretty smart. And then the next day you think you're pretty dumb. <laughs> and when that happens, those are two parts of you that really are probably all you, and they're not really a part of you. But I think it can help to treat some things that happen as a part of you so that you can talk to it, so that you can be connected to it. Because I think about that part of me that was depressed, and if I ever have the feelings of depression or the blahs come up, I will stop, you know, stop what I'm doing because I need to connect with it. So that's the first step, I think, is to stop what you're doing and connect with it. Sometimes that'll be hard. Sometimes you'll be in the middle of something, but make time later if you're in the middle of something because it's important that you catch it while it's happening or at least as close as you can because what is depression? It's something we repress. And if we're in the middle of something, guess what we're going to do with it? We're going to repress it. We're going to put it back. Oh, in the middle of something, I'll deal with that later. It passes and then where is it later? We can't connect to it again. So it is helpful to try to catch it in the moment. I'm in the middle of something, but you know what? I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go to the bathroom, do it in the bathroom, you know, wherever is convenient for you, or that could be inconvenient, but whatever availability you have. So, okay, I'm going to catch it. I'm going to notice it. Then I'm going to ask questions. Hey, you know, what's going on? Where did you come from? What are you doing here? Why are you coming up now? So again, this is something that if you're not dealing with it all the time and it just comes up on occasion, you can ask it that. Where did you come from? Why are you here? And what are you doing here now? But you ask it in a nice way, almost like it's a small child. Almost as if it's somebody you really care about, you really love. Hey, what are you doing here? What's going on? Really connect with it. Really be that comforting voice that maybe you needed as a child. That can be a big step toward getting through this or having it flow through you or just recognizing it because maybe it's not ready to be resolved yet. Maybe it still needs to be in there. And then 
a next step, and I'm not really making these in sequential order. I'm just kind of talking as we go here. But another step is to ask yourself if there's an event in your past that could have caused this. You may come up with something right away, or it may take a little while. Maybe you've experienced it what you believe to be all your life. For the person who wrote the email, what happened a long time ago around May? What's the first thing that comes up? The first thing, there's usually something to. I don't care how benign that first thing is. You can usually relate it or associate it to something that you can say, hey, that might have something to do with my depression. Oh, I remember when my brother did that and he slammed my hand in the car door and then he didn't care and he laughed. You know, something like that that maybe you haven't thought about in years. And maybe you thought it never affected you. Sort of like with my mom. I never would have thought my mom had anything to do with my depression. It had to be my stepfather. So I might have had this false belief that I've carried around with me a long time saying, well, if it wasn't for that jerk, I wouldn't be depressed. If it wasn't for him drinking, I wouldn't have this problem with other people drinking, which might be true. But if it wasn't for his behavior, I wouldn't have this depression today. I could blame it on that, but maybe I learned how to be depressed by repressing what I really felt all my life, which I learned from my mom. So my mom inadvertently caused this, but I don't blame her, and she's not responsible for it. I'm responsible for dealing with it now. But what would happen if you did allow someone who had no ill intention, who did not try to hurt you, who did not try to put you down, who did not do any of this stuff, what would happen if you just allowed the thought of that person being the cause of something that you're carrying around with you, something you don't like, depression, the blahs, or whatever? What happens when you introduce that? Now, that person may not be the cause. Again, it's not that they may be responsible for it or they are to blame. It's not that at all. It's just how your mind processed things when you were younger. So you can look at someone that may have had nothing to do with whatever challenges you went through and maybe even was a positive force in your life. And still, they may have inadvertently not given you the resources or the tools that you need to be able to process things appropriately or release things appropriately or deal with things in a way that is helpful to you. So these people can come and go in our lives and they can have a huge impact in our lives. And hopefully, all the people in your life that were a positive impact didn't inadvertently cause any harm. Hopefully that's true. But if you've been searching for an answer for whatever feeling is underlying inside of you, Maybe it's time to open the box a little bit more and get outside that box and allow some thoughts in that maybe you didn't want to let in before. I would never have thought to allow my mom into that thought process because she tried everything she could. She did the best she could. I believe it 100%. She did the best she could with the resources that she had in the situation that we were all in, and I believe she did her best to protect all of us. So it was all saintly. At the same time, my brain tells me that she had something to do with my inability to cope because she had an inability to deal with a situation in a way that might have been more helpful to her and to the family. And it's difficult to say that without sounding like I'm blaming her for anything because I really believe she did the best she could. 
And sometimes people will be in our lives and they're doing the best they can and there's nothing they did wrong. It was just they didn't have the right mindset or they didn't have the tools themselves or they weren't passed down. So there's really nothing that they could have done differently. It's just that now when we're growing up, we have to figure out how to deal with challenges that we were never taught how to deal with. And so what do we do? We have to learn them fresh. We have to learn them new. We have to face our fears. That's one of the things I had to do is face my fear of honoring myself. My mom never honored herself. So I had this fear of honoring myself because when you honor yourself, you could get yelled at. Somebody might leave you. Somebody might hurt you. And if that happens, what then? No more love. No more connection. No more family. You know, all these beliefs that we create that we believe are going to happen. So we allow bad behavior in our lives because we're not confronting our fears by confronting other people. We're not honoring ourselves by saying, hey, look, I don't accept that behavior. Will you please back off? Maybe not those words, but if we don't stand up for ourselves and we didn't grow up with somebody who taught us how to stand up for ourselves, we have to learn that fresh. We have to learn that as a new skill. You have to learn new skills. And you know, this is what I've been talking about on this show for the last seven years. There are some things that we have to do for the first time. We have to do this for the first time, which is why I came up with the question, if there are absolutely no consequences, what would I do or say then? So I'm about to say something to someone and I ask myself the question, if there were no consequences to what I was about to do or say, what would I do or say? What would I say? And I'll come up with the right answer. I'll come up with the truth. So I really want to tell this person, hey, look, you know what? You've been showing up in this way and I don't like it. I find it disrespectful and I think you're being a jerk. So I'd like you to please stop that behavior. That would be my truth that comes up. Now, when I was not so prepared and I didn't have the tools and resources I needed to be able to face challenges in my life, my thought would be instead, I can't say anything. I don't want to say anything. I'm too scared to say anything. If I say something, they might yell at me. They might fire me. They may hit me. I don't know. So why risk it? That is what I learned from childhood. That is what many people have learned in childhood. Why risk it? It's too risky. Either we're taught that or we absorb it through our caretakers' behaviors. So we move on through life with these skill sets that may not be good enough. So we have to start creating new ones. And for me, it was scary. I think for many people, it is scary to be able to look at something and say, wow, I've never done that before. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to confront it. I have to. I've never done it before. And if I don't do it, whatever's happening is going to continue happening. And I don't want that in my life. So coming back to this person's email, I want to thank her for writing and uh, letting me know how well things are going for you. She said her son gave her words of wisdom and I started to talk about perceptions and how your perception of what's happening can go through a lot of changes because sometimes we carry around the same perception year after year after year. Like I carried around the perception that my stepfather was a dangerous man to me. I mean, to other people too, but personally he was dangerous to me. And if I ever defied him, it would be bad. It'd be very bad news. Yet I never defined what danger was. I never really defined how bad it could be and what that meant. Like what behaviors would he do that would make it bad for me? And 
I just made up in my mind that he was a bad, dangerous man. And so I kept that belief for many years, right up until my 40s, when I finally had to confront him and say, sorry, you can't come in this house. My mom doesn't want to see you. Very hard to do. Very first time I stood up to him, but I had to do it for the first time. I told that story before. That's why I'm not expanding on it now. But he showed up at the door at my mom's house and he wasn't invited. And I said, sorry, you can't come in. You're not allowed here or something like that. And he just shrugged his shoulders and walked away. And I thought, what the heck? (laughs) What the heck just happened? I really thought he was going to hit me. But he didn't show any signs of hitting me. He showed no signs of anything dangerous at all to me. I was afraid of this jerk for the last 40 years of my life. I mean, when I was a child, yes, he was very dangerous. But when I grew up and I could take care of myself, I'm still this scared little boy. I don't want to be that scared little boy anymore. I don't want to carry that around with me. So what do I do? I talk to that part of me. Hey, you know what? I'll take care of it. I got this. That's what I would tell him. I got this. I would tell my inner child that. I got this. Don't worry. I'll take care of this. And I did. I just stood up for myself. First time ever with this guy. And um, it changed my life. It was a pivotal moment in my life. And I didn't have to repress anything. Because that's what happens. Is we have these moments, these challenges that come up that we can either express or repress. And I chose to express and... That changed a lot. That changed everything. So coming back to depression, if you really want to stay out of that, start expressing yourself. This is like step three or four. Start expressing yourself. That doesn't mean you express yourself with the most dangerous people in the world. You do have to pick your battles wisely. You do have to realize when there are people that you have to avoid because some people are dangerous. So we don't want to express ourselves too much with them. But we do want to express ourselves in other ways. We want to stand up for ourselves. We want to make sure that we are not letting other people get under our skin. And if they are, and if we can't handle it, we have to get away from them. Or we have to tell them to stop. Hey, look, you know what? You're starting to get under my skin. You're disrespecting me. And I don't like it. So could you please stop? And if they say no, then you know where you stand in their eyes. If they don't mind making you upset, if they don't mind causing you emotional harm like that, then they may not be the best people to be around. You might have to do something about that. Or you might have to stand up even firmer. Again, this is a battle that you have to choose wisely. But I do know that when I started standing up for myself, when I started honoring myself, my life changed. And I was so much farther than depression than I ever was in that moment. Because I can look back at that right now And say, damn, I'm proud of myself for doing that. And I can also feel that little boy that comes up and says, I hope it never happens again. (laughs) I hope I never have to face that situation again. But if I do, if he comes back into my life, if he's around when I go visit family, then I'm going to be the personal guard I was then and be the protector I need to be for me and anyone I love. Because I did it the first time. I proved to myself that I could get through it. And I lived to tell about it. And I never, ever want to feel that depressed feeling again. And so what do you do? You have to do things opposite that you used to do that would make you feel depressed. If you used to hold back and not tell anyone how you felt, maybe it's time to do the opposite. If you always let people walk all over you, 
Maybe it's time to do the opposite of that. I'm not saying you walk over others. <laughs> I'm just saying you make sure people don't walk all over you. You might have to do that. Whatever caused the depression to happen, if you start doing the opposite, it usually starts to reverse it. I know this is complex. I know some people need medications. I know some of it's chemical. I'm just giving you one path, one door to walk through if you choose to do so. If it helps you, it's worth trying. And the last step, if I may call it that, is as you start seeing a glimmer of positivity in your life, don't beat yourself up if it doesn't stay. Because I had to go through that, and a lot of people getting out of depression have to go through that, is that you start to see something positive, and then you're back to negative, or void, whatever you want to call it, or depressed, devoid of emotions. And when you get that glimmer of positivity, and you go back to depressed, be grateful for that glimmer. And just tell yourself, hey, that's starting to come back. The positivity is starting to come back. This is good. And then if you're feeling depressed a lot and it comes back again, notice it, be grateful for it. And yeah, you might have to deal with some more depression and more apathy, whatever it is for you. But notice how it was there and it can come back and just acknowledge it and make sure to talk to that part of you. Any part that comes up, you just say, hey, who are you? What's going on? <laughs> how are you today? What's your function here? What's your purpose? I'm simplifying it a little bit now, but you get what I mean. I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope this has been helpful. I don't talk about depression too much. I do have an episode on depression I made uh, several years ago, 2014 maybe, 2015. If you go to my website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com, and you look for the word depression, I got a really informational episode that can, I think, be very helpful to you. So if you're experiencing depression or bouts of it or little bits and pieces of it, it might be helpful to you. So check it out there, and uh, I want to thank you for tuning in. You are amazing, and thank you to the person who wrote the email. We'll talk again soon.